what happens when a black guy, a white dude, and an Hispanic man happen to be pro wrestling marks? You get debates, roasting, and fun in Cheat Nation's newest podcast, Breaking Ring Rust. And it starts right now. Oh, you didn't know? Well, you marks better call somebody. It's your boy, Rocky Mr. Magic, accompanied by my tag team partner, JT, and the third member of our triple threat, Ray, is not with us tonight, but he will return. Again. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. Drugs are bad, okay? This is true. This is true. They are a bad thing. Thankfully, our friend Ray doesn't have one of those problems, at least not often. So, we are going to have a call it in the ring episode tonight because the wrestling world is just a flutter with a whole bunch of random things. So, we just going to call it in the ring, unlike so many. It's workers. almost as much of a flutter as Matt's pants when he sees my AM. See, I don't know why he says that. He just needs to get his facts right. First of all, me and him is a pretty, she's an attractive woman. Um, but my pants definitely don't flutter. Um, she's a pretty woman, but you know, she's black. She's... Doing, doing, doing. <laughs> that definitely don't happen. Uh, she's a pretty woman. She ain't got enough hippage for me uh, to, to match the booty. But she's a pretty, pretty woman, and Keith Lee is uh, apparently happy with her. And even though I think As I, Shelton Benjamin and quite a few other men in the locker room. Even though I think I could take Keith Lee if I had to, um, I'm quite content where I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm good. But she's a pretty woman. I do like me some. I do like. I do appreciate a good blazing baddie, and she is that. She doesn't have concussion problems like somebody's uh, brush over there. As a well, JT, that's just because she's never made it to the big time. As JT is rubbing his blanket, hoping to wish away all the ailments and health problems that. A certain Miss Kaufman continually has. Hey, it's not my fault that they keep putting her in there with incompetent people like Sasha and Rhonda. Aye, she just she's she, hey, she's fragile. She just she gets hurt. She's like Gronkowski. She's always hurt. Some people are just hey hey comparing her often. to a member of the Patriots. You're crossing a line here. Uh, she perfectly fits in with that line. Come on now. No, no, no. Five foot blonde, yes, completely. I bet you she's Tom Brady's side, John. No, no, no. Oh yeah. See now you're crossing a line. Oh yeah. Now you're crossing a line. Mm, I'm, I'm telling you, I guarantee it. No. For for one thing, pretty sure she's a Browns fan, so she would not stoop that low. Is she from Ohio? Oh Lord, no wonder I don't no. like her. She, she ain't got no sense. Browse fan. What, come, what, come on. She is from Ohio. Uh, see, no wonder I don't like Do you her. not pay attention to ring introductions? Not to hers. And plus, half the time people lie about where they're from. 
we, Kevin Nash said he was from Phoenix. He moved there when he was, what, 45? Well, they used to say it was from Detroit. That's because that's where he's from. But then it became Phoenix, and then it became, there was Florida, it was Tampa he came out to. And Rocky, you know, like he's from Miami. He ain't from no Miami. Come on. They be lying all the time. I don't take rain from no Death Valley. Well, didn't they just start at one point saying Houston? I don't remember. I think during the uh, the the they, maybe during the biker phase, maybe they said Houston. I don't remember. Yeah, and then he even said Houston is in, or Death Valley is in Houston. Yeah, only a Death Valley anybody even really knows about is the one in California. So. Uh, yeah, see, they, they be making stuff up. I mean, yeah, you know, angles from Pittsburgh. Um, for some reason, the Pittsburgh people are proud that they're there from there. Elias, too. But yeah, they, they, they make, come on, they make stuff up. I mean, now, granted, I do think Warrior was actually from parts unknown because he was crazy, but. Well, I just think that's because no place wanted to actually claim him. That, too. Be like, no, don't put him on us. Nope, don't put him on us. Oh, would you want to take responsibility for Warrior? No, no. Yeah, see. I mean, Warrior's probably one of the worst uh, workers of all time. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> I think in both of our combined states of uh, being out of shape and lacking stamina, I don't. I think we would be able to work a better match than he can. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. he could, and not blow up as fast. I'm I'm positive that's accurate. Yeah. Um, Let me run down the ring and blow up before I even start the match. Great. Let me let me rest a little bit as they do the after they ring the bell, and then let me get in the ring and the other thirty seconds I'm blown up again after I'm burning up the ropes two hundred miles an hour. Yeah. Although he did have some dope entrance music. Well, I mean, a lot of people have good entrance music. doesn't make them good wrestlers, and there have been people who are good wrestlers that have bad entrance music. Yeah. I mean, no matter what he does, Rob Conway will never live down his hall for music. I mean, the man's a former NWA world champion, but he'll never live down, you know, the Conman music. Oh, well, let's, let, let's, let's call that. Okay, so let's, let's talk about entrance music. How important to you is an entrance theme for the overall package of wrestling? Um, you know, as time's worn on, it's become far more important than it used to be because I certainly remember a time where not everybody had ring music. Um, right. I can't, I can't like remember. You know, watching Arn Anderson come out to like even he had music. I can't remember what it was. It was so unimportant. I remember a- Anderson not having music. See, I, I remember, remember that time. See, I think I think I remember some of that too. I remember when you know, in watching Jim Crockett promotions, where the only people that had music was Dusty, the Warriors, the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, Flair. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think. Tully even had music. I don't think Arn had music. Luger didn't have music at the time. They were the horse. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was only Flair that had music. So, of course, when we're going to have an entrance, it was going to be with Flair. Flair's music, yeah. You know. um, 
there's, um, you know, the, uh, but you know, your top, uh, baby faces didn't have music. Okay. Um, you know, uh, Ronnie Garvin was a world champion at one point. He didn't have ring music, you know, um, Barry Wyndham didn't have ring music. You know, I remember, uh, Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man Valiant had music, you know, he had Boy from New York City and that was mm-hmm. part of his whole gimmick, you know, because he was just a gimmick at the time, you know. Uh Jimmy Garvin had Sharp Dressed Man, but right. it but it wasn't um you didn't have everybody having ring music and it was it was perfectly normal to just turn on the TV and there's the guy standing in the ring and you know, ladies and gentlemen in this corner from wherever at this weight. Mm. standing this tall, you know, and it's a top star. Right. And someone who even has a belt, you know. Exactly. So, so it was perfectly uh, normal. Um, then, you know, and even some in WWF at the time, and I think people forget that. Well, yeah, a lot, a lot of guys I remember didn't really have uh, music, like the top stars did. Um, obviously Hogan did. Um, Andre had that you know, very deep classical style music. Ave Satanas. Yes. That's right. Music from Dame, from, uh, Exorcist. from, um, yes, right. Not Exorcist, uh, um, Omen. No, Omen. Yeah. Omen, yep. Yeah. Um, I knew it was some horror movie. And then you had, uh, obviously, Macho Man was a pompous circumstance. Right. But, um, it, but a lot of, a lot of guys really just, I remember like watching matches and, you know, guys come out like they, they didn't have music. Uh, they come down the ring and they, they get in the ring. The ring announcer, that's who they are. They turn the crowd, wave, do their pose or whatever. And well, the brain busters, when they were the tag team champions, didn't have music. Yeah. yeah. They just jogged to the ring. They jogged to the ring. Yeah. And so that was one of those things where it's like, you know, um, it was just one that it was just perfectly normal. Uh, you know, it was with the release of the wrestling album and pile driver and things like that. It became more and more. Well, I I, I would say before the album really, because I think everyone saw how much Hogan's theme music set the tone. Well, keep in mind it was on the wrestling album. That wasn't even Hogan's music. Right, I'm it just thinking. I'm just thinking generally. Like people were in Rotunda. Right. Well, I'm, just, <clears throat> I'm saying is like when he when he comes out, music became such a part of the entertainment value, and I think you know, obviously Vince being Vince, you know, started to really understand that. And obviously, the best thing about Warrior was his entrance in the music. Um, you, the one of the. One of the best things about one of the, well, yeah, no, one of the best things about um, DiBiase was the music. Well, I, I agree with that, but I mean, and keep in mind that the, the interest music predated the WWF. Right. It was, you know, uh, you know, Jimmy Valiant was probably the first guy to come out to rock music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though a lot of people credit it to Michael Hayes, Michael Hayes has later admitted that he actually got it from Jimmy Valiant in Memphis. Um, you know, he got that in the blonde, ha- long blonde hair, long hair. beard, right. the dark beard, mm-hmm. um, at, from back. Um, but you know, so there were people who were doing it beforehand, but right. Hogan took it more to the mainstream level because exactly. 
it, he was the first national star to do it, really. Right. Um, even though he might have had people on TBS doing it beforehand, I'd have to check that depending on how you know things were going there. But not nowhere to the same level right. of of impact. And Hogan was using uh, Eye of the Tiger, which was more associated with him because of Rocky. Rocky, exactly. Um, but he, you had that, um, you know. But to me, the the whole thing with the uh, with ring music was. Ring music can really shape a character. Yes. It can really make them who they are. If you look at, you know, uh, if you look at, like, Steve Austin, if you look at his old Ringmaster music, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it's, it's lame. You know, it's not good. I would say it was, it was lame. It just. No, it's lame. It was, it, it, I wouldn't say, lame in that, I wouldn't say it's lame. It, just, it didn't have the desired impact. Um, it didn't, it, I don't think it was a good fit. I don't think that like musically, I don't think it was a bad song. I just, it just didn't have the impact that it needed to have. If it, if it was for Psycho Sid or a creepy character, it's fine. But for yes. a master or somebody like that, the, it, yeah, it didn't fit it didn't, the character. Exactly. And it work for him. And if he had had that music for the rest of his career, it wouldn't work. Right. Yeah. Like the music itself was fine, just did not fit him in that character. Like you said, someone more with a, a, a more crazy cycle. I think it would have fit mankind better than it fit him. Um, especially since yeah. he was pulling his hair and stuff during that time. Like he was doing the whole crazy thing. Uh, but some of the, you know, some guys, they just, the music makes them, uh, when you talk about building up the character, I think of immediately my mind goes to Razor Ramon. Uh, because that theme song was just perfect for that character. I mean, it, it, he walked to the cadence of the music. It was, um, it was fantastic. I think, I think there's certainly something to be said for that. And, but, um, you know, Michael's, I mean, his music is so iconic. Oh yeah. To go with him. Um, it oh. was. Part of it, him singing it too, because it didn't really get over until they had him sing the lyrics instead of Sherry. No, it was over before then. I, 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 I 100% disagree with that because I remember when he transitioned from just the instrumental to Sherry singing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and me and my friends all thought it was the coolest music. We all thought it was the coolest thing. And, uh, he had that music for a year. Yeah. He had it for a year. He had it from, you know, just before WrestleMania 8 until WrestleMania 9. WrestleMania 9 is where his new music debuted because he was still using the Sherry version. Yep. And it was, um, and it was cool. It was a cool song. It was, it was, you know, it, it, it had a whole different dimension. And I remember, uh, it was, you know, it'd come out, Heenan would start whistling the music and stuff yep. like that. And it was, it, it was, was 100% over. It was, you know, it, it was definitely, uh, a, a, it was a different thing. It wasn't something that you were going to hear or see. Um, and it was different than anything else at the time. You didn't have anything else like that. No, you didn't. It was, it was, it was great. Uh, I, I, I think it's like, it, at least my circle, 
it didn't like get over over until he sang it because we were like, why is she saying this? Like it was, it was just so, it was slightly confusing because of Sherry singing it. We knew why she was singing because he was she was the manager, um, but because he was her boy toy. Yeah, but he was her boy toy. She she I, loved Shawn Michaels. Yes, but it was you know, it it was I don't know. It did. It made more sense to me when he started singing it, um, and that's like we were like, "Hey, it was it was just really cool because it was more on him than than talking about Sherry, than Sherry talking about him." Um, it just for that character being so, you know, being so full of himself, you know, being the, a narcissist without being the full on narcissist like Luger, um, but obviously understanding he's breaking hearts, uh, it, and also because. Um, being the heartbreak kid, the mullet, the whole, you know, you know, the Elvis tied and made more sense to me for him seeing it than having her sing it. Cause if it was like, if it was like Elvis, he had been singing about himself too. Right. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, it made sense for him to sing it. And I love the version of him singing. Obviously that's the most iconic version without a doubt. However, uh, say it wasn't over when Sherry was doing it because it, it certainly was over and it wasn't like people knew there was going to be an alternative of, hey, Sean's going to sing this one day. Yeah, because, I, know what you, I know what you're saying, yeah. I mean, because at the time it was just cool. You know, it yeah. was just, hey, this is, hey, Sherry's singing this and it's cool and we have... Uh, you know, and it's, uh, you know, a completely different thing. We haven't heard this before. Um, it's a different type of song, you know, and, and, and having, and having some, and having talent sing it too. That was definitely something cool. Like that was like, wow, the talent's actually doing their own music, right. doing part of the act is doing the music. Right. Yeah. And, and you had, and it was, and, and here's the thing, it endured. And I mean, while people, like we were in that poll a while back and people were like, oh, Undertaker's music is iconic. It's like, okay, well, which Undertaker song? Yeah, because there's, there's like five. Because he's had so many. You know, right. it's, well, I mean, he had. Is it rolling? Like, is it? He had, well, he had like four when he was the, when he was the biker. So yeah. he, he, he's had like three or four as the dead man. So right. which one is it? You know, he's, you know, it was it the, the original funeral dirge. Was it the, the modern funeral dirge that he's using now? Right. Was it the, 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 um, was it the, the, the ministry version? Mm-hmm. Um, was it, which is my know, favorite of his. I love the ministry version. Was it Kid Rock? Was it Was it Limp Biscuit? Was it Rolling? Was it You Done It Now? That was so you know, bad. Oh my yeah. god! You know, I mean, so which one was it? Because Undertaker was one of those who could kind of change his music, and and and, and I want to say there were some derivations in between that he used. I think so. Yeah. So I mean, he could do that, and it could just be whatever. Yeah. Right. I think I think him and Hunter have like, you know, just a whole handful of of entrance music. But then Sean's has had, you know, he had twenty something year run with the same song. At, at the same time, it's like if you look at like somebody like um, Sting, like mm-hmm. I think everyone can name um, 
who's been a longtime fan can name hit the surfer sting, the dun, 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 music. Yeah. Um, and, and the man called Sting. But how many people even remember what his crow music was like? Well, you, you never got to hear it because he didn't have to work like that entire year, except for coming down from the rafters. Rafters, and he that was an entrance. That was just him showing up to to do a run in. Right. And he, but and he, he did rest- have entrance music, and he did use it sometimes. Yeah, but he only had like yeah. But he, he went like a year not doing anything, not working, and then right. he had the one match, you know, the match at Starcade, and no one remembers that uh, the entrance. Like I don't, I don't remember what the music was. I remember. I don't remember vaguely it was something, you know, very ominous and, you know, crow-like, but I, I don't know anybody that can sit there and just off the top of their head start humming crow sting music because you heard it five times. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's not like that, you know, even though Sting's an iconic character, he's kind of the exception where you can sit there and go, yeah, I don't really remember that particular which is crazy that you mentioned that because Crowsting is probably the most iconic version of Sting that that people really look at. They think of Sting and they think of him with the white, black and white face paint and, and the the black jumpsuit with the with the ribs on it. Like that's what people think of generally. <clears throat> their first thought when they think of Sting. Yet you can't tie well, the song it, to him. Well, I think it depends on when you. Started watching wrestling and things like that because to me, I kind of still think of Sting as Surfer Sting. Surfer Sting. Yeah, because I remember when Sting, I won't say debuted, but when I remember him in UWF. Okay. You know, I remember him teaming with Rick Steiner in UWF when they were the tag team champions. champions. And yeah, and it was, you know, I remember seeing the, the title change when they beat. Uh, uh, Taylor and Adams for the titles. So, I mean, that's going back on ways to go, okay, I remember seeing them beat Chris Taylor and Chris, right. Chris Adams and Terry Taylor. In general, most people, they think of Sting that this, the, the Crow one is the one that really went mainstream, for lack of a better term. That. Wrestling fans knew who Sting was. I knew who Sting was. You know, I knew Surfer Sting, and that's the first thing I saw. But the one that really blew up, especially how hot the business was, and that he was doing with the NWO, Crow Sting really, really was what really caught wildfire there. Although, personally, and I know the you know, prior to the whole wasn't great, but I thought uh, Joker Sting in TNA was fantastic. Absolutely fantastically done. So you're the person who saw that. A lot of people, uh, it is, it, it was great work. You, you know, you always say a lot of people saw TNA, but the ratings certainly don't back that up. You know, that's true. But oh, here's the thing, though. When I, when I watched it, it was all had, I watched like a year after it happened and after people uploaded it on YouTube. So <laughs> that's one of the so, reasons why. I mean, because nobody's actually, because like people aren't watching, which is a shame because they've actually got some good talent in there. We do right now, and it, it's a shame that those talents are "quote unquote" getting their break when nobody's watching. When not even, you know, you know, pop TV or wherever they are now mm. doesn't even want them. You know, 
Well, they're they're they're, they're hanging on on Twitch, and I'm trying to I'm trying to watch them more, uh, you know, when they're actually being on, but or trying to catch them on on Twitch. It, it is a shame because they do have some talent, and, uh, and you know, Moose is is a big dude. Is working well, and you know their their knockout division is still strong. And so, yeah. well, with- I mean, you 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 got some talent in there that have been, and you mentioned their knockout division. Like you've got Taya and Tessa, who have been, you know, big names in the independents for a number of years that are mm-hmm. finally there. Um, you got. Uh, Jordan Grace just started. Yeah, you've got Scarlett, who's been Scarlett. a huge name in, in, in the independence. My girl smoke show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, you have, uh, you know, all these people who are kind of, you know, finally, you would think getting some eyes on them, except that nobody's watching. Not as many people are watching, unfortunately. Right. You know, I, I don't. Th- I, it's tough. I don't think network TV is going to be a bastion for them, um, especially with the, I don't, especially with the Fox deal. Like they have to really do something to get eyeballs if they want to stay on TV. Like I, I don't know what is in their you know their plans to try to get better ratings, but they they're going to have to try to pitch themselves, sell themselves to a network that may be up and coming or even like a streaming service, you know, obviously with Lucha, even Netflix, maybe they can pitch that as, you know, a U.S. based company that may be better viewing for Netflix compared to Lucha Underground. I don't know, but. Yeah. If it wasn't for WWE already having a, a deal with Hulu, Hulu would be a great thing for them where they could say, okay, since Hulu kind of specializes in, <laughs> you know, new stuff, freshly viewed stuff. Right. Or even um, having some of their or stuff. Maybe on. they can get on with the new AT&T network. Yeah. Or even maybe doing uh, kind of like what WWE is doing Hulu where it's a condensed version of the show, um, having maybe a half hour or maybe not, and, yeah. I, I think their show's only an hour anyway. Maybe a half hour condensed version of their show on one of the like free Services like uh, Tubi or, or Pluto TV or something like that to help get more eyes on it, and then. Be- well, I mean, condensing their show down anymore really wouldn't make sense, to be honest. I mean, condensing it. I mean, because it's only an hour now. I mean, condensing WWE makes sense because it's three hours. It's so freaking long, yeah. you know. And and it's like you know, I just got Hulu and. You know, I didn't even really want to watch an hour and a half. You got that ninety-nine cent deal. Yep, Smart I man. did get that ninety-nine cent deal. I did, and and I and I, uh, which is why I was watching Primal Fear when you when you texted me earlier. Ah, yeah, I I got a deal for Hulu too, and that's why I've been watching. T- you know, t- 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 tell Miss M- Mrs. Venerable, uh, I'm I'm so, 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 so sorry <laughs> about her neck. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, that that's a great movie. I don't care what anybody says. I, I'm not going to disagree with you there. Yeah. 
it's they've got to they've got to try something. But you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm I say condensing, but I'm like in my head, I'm like, you know, how can you condense that? Because it's already and, an hour. And here's the thing: like, I, I know people listen to this thing. Oh, he hates on Impact. He hates on TNA. Whatever. But I, here's the thing: I used to be like a huge TNA fan. Like, I used to watch their pay per views more faithfully than I watch WWE pay per views. I watched Thursday Night Impact faithfully. I watched it when it was on. Um, you know, Sports South. I watched mm-hmm. it when it, when it was, you know, whatever way I could watch it, I watched it. You know, AJ and Christopher Daniels and Samoa Joe and, and, and Team Canada and everybody. And I dealt with, you know, Jarrett's Reign of Terror. And for anyone who complains oh about, anyone who complains about Triple H controlling WWE never watched TNA when Jarrett was in control. Yeah, and, that was um, that was interesting to the least. Because here's the thing: at least Triple H was over at some point in his life, which is something Jarrett never was. I think Jeff Jarrett was never over. The stroke uh, was uh, never uh, over. Slap nuts was never over. I, no, don't, I don't piss think me that. off. I don't think that. I know that was never over. At least never over to to a main event level. Okay. And look, when you, you have you, when you have an entire arena of people chanting drop the belt <laughs> that 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 says where that says how over you are you know what's funny is that thanks to Pritchard the Jarrett's are, are more over now than they have ever been <laughs> Jerry Jerry and Jeff have never been more over than they are now thanks to Bruce Pritchard <laughs> yeah uh, come on I mean <laughs> I mean, here, here, I remember his WWE title reign, and I'm like, bruh. <laughs> Come on, okay. Like, I, I always thought Jeff was a good Intercontinental champion. I always thought he, yeah, I thought he was a decent U.S. champion. But when they put the belt on him, I'm like, dude, I, no one buys this. No yeah. one is buying this. Yeah, it was. It, well, I mean, that's the thing. He, you got him, and it's like, okay, well. You look at every, they're like, okay, we're going to rebuild the company. Okay. We're rebooting the company. We're going to strip everybody of the titles. We're going to declare all new champions. We're rebuilding the titles. And here's who we're going to build our company around now. Jeff Jarrett, the other channel, they've got the rock. We've right. got Jeff Jarrett, <laughs> you know, and it's not, not, and I mean, if you look at who they had at the time, there were other people they could have built up. You know, they could have they could have flipped back to Goldberg, or they could have gone to, uh, you know, well not Bret Hart at the time because Bret was hurt, but they could have right. gone to because they tried that until then he got hurt thanks to Goldberg. Right, but they could have gone to they could have gone back to Goldberg. They could have um, tried Sting again. They could have done you know anything else. Pretty much anyone else in the company, you know, would have been a better choice than. Jared. Oh, I, okay, you can't say that because Sean Mike Stas- Awesome. Sean, Sean Stasiak wouldn't have been a good choice. I, I think he'd have been about as fair of a choice. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Because, um, because at least he was new and hot and they had an angle with him. You know, that angle was terrible. Um, let's see. He was perfect, Sean. Yeah, so, so stupid. Buff Bagwell would have been a better choice. Uh, okay, maybe he's the only person who would not have been a better choice than Jarrett. Um, just because, what, what, what about what about Mikey Whipwreck? Just because, 
Mikey Whitbrook would have been a better choice. And I love I, I love Mikey Whitbrook because well, but Mikey was coming out with the do rag uh, on his head in them shorts, and he looked a hot mess. But I mean, I would have I would have approved of Mikey over that over Jarrett. I mean, because I mean, here's the thing: like Jarrett, Jarrett had a couple phrases that got over, but I'm hey, not great. But I never thought Jarrett was that good of a talker, especially in that era. Now, like when he was doing the "Ain't I Great" thing, I love that though. That I thought he was actually a good talker back then. Yes, that was those were his, and he was a better worker back then. His match with Michaels is classic, fantastic match. But that was that was that was peak Jarrett. He was great with Mike and great with Mike. Point out one match to me that he had in WCW after his '99 return that was a great match. None. And, and not, not, not all that was his or, fault, but, but none. Or find me one promo he cut that was a great promo. I'm not saying, I mean, yeah, he came out and said slap nuts and that got over, but Which that's was, not a promo. Yeah. Okay. And, and it was, it was stupid to me. This is the whole slap nuts I mean, thing was done. Having, having, having a catchphrase is not a promo. Right. You know, just, you know, like, I mean, like, and if people say, well, what about the rock? Well, the rock still could cut a good promo. Yes, he, he had catchphrases, but he knew how to tell a story with a promo. Yes, and, and you can go back and watch The Rock. And I watched. I watched him cut that promo <laughs> on uh, on Orton uh, back. Uh, well, I forget what year that was. When Orton had the icy belt, and Dwayne showed up and cut that promo on him. He was walking nigga, when Bischoff threw him out the arena, and he still had the live mic, and he went through and he was ragging on everybody and took Molly Holly's wig off. Like I, the man hadn't been. In the company for like a year and a half, and then he shows up and he cuts the promo like he had been doing it every week. Him, uh, to me, I think some of the best examples was um, the one he cut on Lillian, where he's like the butterflies, <laughs> where he's like, "Admit it, Lillian, you get wet with perspiration." <laughs> yes, I remember that. Yeah. That one and. Hit everything he did with Hurricane. Oh my God, that was classic. Where, where, it, cacao, it's nothing. He says he knows you. You know, he's telling a story through the whole promo. You know, yeah. and it's and yeah, he could work in his catchphrases and stuff, but he's telling a story. He's doing something with it. Um, he's not just coming out and going, "Hey," you know. Um, it's just like. It's the difference between having a move or two moves that's over or being able to do a couple moves and be able to work a match. Right. You know, you can, you know, anybody can, 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 can hit a spot, you know, mm-hmm. but go out and tell a cohesive story and make it look good and do that, you know, and, and it was, um, you know, and, and, and I mean, this, Jarrett, he, he was a good hand in the ring and I had yes. no problem with him if he's, U.S. champ or TV champ or even Intercontinental champ, but when he's the world champ, and then in TNA you had so many guys that were more deserving champions. Oh yeah, that were more deserving than him, especially at the time, because you bring in you got Sting coming in, you got Angle, you got Samoa Joe, you got Christian who was red hot, red hot, mm-hmm. you know, and. Oh, no, you got Jarrett, and, and they keep finding ways to give the belt back to Jarrett. And it's just like, 
are, are you kidding me? It, 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 it didn't. I know. It wasn't even, and it wasn't, and I know they're going, oh, it's about the chase. It's about heat. Well, when people are going, forget this, I'm turning it off because I don't want to see it. That's not the type of heat you want. Right. You know, when people are going, I don't buy this guy, or people are going, this guy runs the company, and that's why he has the bell, or, you know, things. And, and we were we were too smart to it, and that, and, and part of that you know, then that didn't help because everyone knows he's running the company. Everybody knows he and his dad are behind it. He keeps getting the belt. It's like, okay, Jeff, just, you know, stop putting your, try to get your, push, put yourself over, drop the belt, have someone else run with it. We're not buying it. And, and, you know, if he, but the thing is, we were smart to it because Jarrett told us in the beginning that he ran the company. Exactly. So it's like you, you killed your, you killed your own momentum by doing that. And it's not like he was, you know, Performing to the point where he needed to be. If he was, if he was somewhere near the A9 Gray era, not even with his work, but even with just that level, he was at a level of promo. If he was able to run that type of character where he's a little weasel, he's getting away with the cheating, he's doing the guitar shtick, he's making you, you know, even don't even have to have the country music, he can torture you some other way. Just stop saying slap nuts and at least it could have worked and been at least believable as him as the heel champion. But he was trying to do this. I don't know what it was. He he kept on holding on to uh, the the feud he had with he, China. He, well, he tried to make himself like a legit tough guy, which he's just yeah, not, but he's not in any way, shape, or form. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was trying to make himself that, and he's not that. And, um, you know, he... You can't be, you know, uh, you can't put yourself over that way. You never had, uh, like I said, even Triple H was never that hated uh, by the the fans as a no. as a whole. Um, and um, you know, if you look at you know what was going on in the company that time, it's just a. Uh, it's just a stain on the company to go, yeah. okay, well, we had your, you know. Pretty much. Now, I wonder how many times it was, you know, Jeff's idea or if it was Jerry's idea and Jeff couldn't still say, no, dad, this is not a good idea. Well, I think at that point, Jerry, well, I forget when Jerry got kicked out because of the whole Vladimir Kozlov thing. No, yeah, yeah, that was, I try to, I try to forget about that. Well, you know, you know, it's called chicken salad. Well, you know, you get the Vladimir Kozlov and, you know, he's a, he's a big, nasty heel. I'd have put him against Lawler back in the day. <laughs> We'd have sold out in the Mid-South Coliseum for like a month with that. So cycling back to entrance music. Cycling, no, my boys didn't cycle. They didn't do that stuff. Well, they ran them horse. Well, your boy ran the horse all the way down the ramp, which was very dangerous for that horse. Back in them WWF days, there, Jerry, that was very dangerous. I, I hate music. I don't, I'm not a country music fan. I can't say I hate it because there are a few country songs I like. Very, very few. But oh, okay, wait, this I've got to hear. What country songs does Matt actually like? 
Uh, Danger Zone. Danger Zone? Yeah. Kenny Loggins. That's not country. I consider that country. That, that's not country. Well, they're, they're the country. Our, our, Archer's version is the Kenny country Logan, version. Kenny that's Loggins country. is not a country singer, and you would never hear that song on country radio. Well, the Archer version is definitely country, and it sounds country, and I consider that a country song. It sounds country to me. I mean, that was on the soundtrack to Top Gun. I know. I've seen Top Gun multiple times. It sounds country to me. Um, uh, see, okay, well, there's not many. Let's see if Matt names an actual country song. Uh, I can name country songs. I just, you know, maybe ones I like is that's something else. Like, I, I, Achy Breaky Heart, that's a country song. Uh, oh. The Gambler is a country song. I mean, I mean, I enjoy. Um, don't tell my heart, my icky, breaky oh heart. Now he's I just that. don't think you'd understand. Such a terrible, terrible, terrible experience to have to live while that thing was hot. I'm like, oh, my God, all the time. But if you tell my heart, my icky, breaky heart, he might blow up and kill this man. Did he do anything else but sing that terrible song? Yes, he did. He had a huge career. And and in fact, I, in I, fact, I'll be honest with you. I have a recording of myself uh, singing another song from that album. Um, a song came could it called "It Could Have Been Me." It could have been me. Yeah, it's a ballad. It's a ballad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, but yeah, well. he had he 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 also had another song about um, veterans on that was actually the title track from that. It's called "Some Gave All." Ah, no wonder he, they people like him. Okay, yeah, and, and he sang about the country, and he had and he had Trail of Tears, which was about the plight of the Native Americans. Okay, and he uh, then years back in like I think ninety nine, he had a song called "Busy Man," talking about not being too busy to spend time with your kids, or to ride his kids' coattails. Hey. Do what you gotta do, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm now, of course, I'm drawing a blank trying to think of any other country songs. My name, too. Um, I, get, uh, I don't like my. I, I, was, I, I was waiting on you to say, Jesus, take the wheel. I've heard the phrase, I've never heard the song. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to send that to you when we get off the air. Oh, you know, I'm not listening to that. Don't even bother. <laughs> I get all this and that. Um, Come on! After all, we were created in His image. This is true, but I don't have to like all of the versions of His of the likeness or the music they produce. Especially the country music, just not my uh, not my thing. One thing that's kind of it's not country; it's close to country. That has a country twang to it, or more of a bluegrass twang to it. This white dude um, mixes hip hop and bluegrass and calls it gangster grass. It actually has a nice. You, you, okay, um, you remember Justified TV show? Mm-hmm. Okay, the theme song from Justified is by that dude, that white dude, who calls himself, I think he calls himself gangster grass. That theme song is dope. That was a dope song. 
How about Cowboy Troy? Cowboy Troy is terrible. I remember him, the NBA All-Star game was in Denver in like 2006, I want to say. And they had, was it Big and Rich and Cowboy Troy as the halftime act? And oh my God, it was so terrible. It was the worst thing ever. Like you had all these black people just staring, like, "What in the world is going on? This is horrible, horrible, horrible!" Oh my god, that was so bad. Hey, save a horse, ride a cowboy. It's so bad. Yeah, that's that's the, probably the most exposure to country music I've had is watching was it Gone Country, Going Country, where they had all the former stars. It was on CMT. It came on. It came on after Dog the Body Hunter, um, and. It was Rich, John Rich was trying to get uh, all these other these you know former stars. So he had uh, right. yeah D Snyder on the season, Bobby Brown. Yeah, I know at one point Cisco. I, I think one season didn't Marsha Brady win one season of that? I don't know. I only watched one season, but it had uh, what's her name, Carney Wilson. Carney Wilson, yeah, Carney Wilson, Bobby Brown, D Snyder, and Cisco all in the same season. I'm sitting there like, wait, Cisco, Cisco, your career is so bad. You gonna be on this going? You gonna try to go country, Cisco? I knew Bobby Brown's career was washed up, but really, Cisco. Yeah, Bobby's career is better than Whitney. You know, I don't, they trying to make a comeback. <clears throat> uh, the uh, well, <laughs> I love how you know sold that. He was just like, can't believe you said that. I'm just gonna move right on past it. I'm just gonna move right past it. I'm not. I'm, like I, I, I'm not touching that. I'm gonna act like he didn't say that about Whitney. <laughs> don't you don't you talk about Whitney now? Um, the new addition, not not hey, being new addition. Just because Whitney went from being the most talented woman in show business to selling it on the side avenue to get her coke money, you know. Look, look, man. I told this to my boss. She was selling it to Gronk. Look. It ain't right that we have to live in a world where we don't have Whitney Houston and we still have Bobby Brown. It ain't right. It ain't right. It ain't right. Okay. The fact that Bobby Brown is still running around here trying to make albums with his old new edition mates minus somebody because uh, they couldn't all agree. So it's not new edition. It's I think it's you know, Ricky, you know, Bobby, I, I, and I don't you know, know. One of those things where we guess we're just going to have to take it slow. You know, that may be your prerogative, but my prerogative is to move on from Bobby Brown. I and mean, we ain't going to disparage the good name of Whitney Houston on this show. Um, Not sure yeah. how good Whitney's name is anymore there, Matt. The, hey, hey, hey. Um, so, that, yeah, that show was probably the Not most. Not sure exposed. how good her name is. Don't, don't even, don't, don't start. I'm going to make you sit to the bodyguard. Back to back. Yeah. I mean, after all those years tossing Bobby salad. <laughs> Matt almost choked on his lemonade for those of y'all who can't see. <laughs> I've never seen Matt speechless before. <laughs> I'm trying to make sure I'll cuss. I... Hey, that's right. Ray's here, not here this week, so we don't have to put the uh, adult content on the show. (laughs) 
Well, I do it anyway, just so iTunes doesn't accidentally flag and like, oh, this is inconsistent or something like that. So the show is explicit no matter what. And here it's explicit now because you're hitting there disgracing Whitney Houston's name. Anyway, she did unfortunate enough damage herself. God rest her soul. Um, so again, not exposed to a lot of country, but I thought Jeff Jarrett's theme song was wonderful for him, perfect for the gimmick. Um, it how, how Brian Armstrong went from being a country singer to being a rap guy, and no one seemed to flinch at it. Well, I flinched at it, but he did a good job as far as transitioning because he didn't go. He didn't go right from being. It's not like he was in WCW and he went from the No Limit Soldiers to the West Texas Rednecks. You know, he went from I'm a I'm the backup country singer to I am. No, he was the real Double J. Yes, and he went to being the real Double J, and he was. Do that rock and roll move thing he did. Um, and then he transitioned to just being, you know, the road dog went from being a musical connotation to not having one. It was just him. It was just his name. And then he started, you know, kind of trying to be down with at the, the tail end of him and, uh, and Billy. And then when it was just him and Pac as DX, uh, Pac for some reason, thinks he has hip-hop cred, and he started doing a little bit more. On Are you trying to tell me that Pac's not a brother? Yes. Yep. Um, we, we've had our talks about Waltman. And then, you know, I, now, of course, when, when you know, R-Truth uh, shows up as K-Quick, and they start rapping, I'm like, what is, what, why, who is his brother? I, and I enjoy watching, uh, you know, Truth do the, you know, the spots he was doing, and, but watching Road Dog dance and then start rapping, I'm like, what? What? what is, why is Road Dog in his DX gear? Why is he rapping with his brother? And then all of a sudden he's got these shiny pants on and they're a tag team. And I'm like, nah, okay. Nah. But what it did show me was how small Ron Killings is because Road Dog looked like a giant next to him. I'm like, what? That brother is small. Let's see, he's short. He is not a tall man because Road Dog ain't no giant. No, uh, and uh, Ron Killings is not a big guy, and he's. Uh, not not a nice man either. I didn't hear that, but you know, Billy Gunn towered over Road Dog. Road Dog towered over over killing him. Like, good God! Like, is this they find the shortest brother they could find to to throw in the mix here? No, I'm just saying. I'm I'm from Charlotte. I knew. A, a, I, I'm not going to say I knew Ron personally, but I knew a lot of people who did know Ron. Oh, and, was this in his crime days or something? No, this is when he was when he was still wrestling. Oh, this is what he stole um, my gimmick? Because I'm and, still pissed about that. And he was, uh, and he was uh, doing, uh, and he would go and, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, said he was, you know, not the. 
Not the nicest? Yeah, not the nicest man in the world. Hmm. Well, unfortunately, oh, hey, hey, hey. In fact, one would, of my Would friends, you rather hang with him or Randy Orton? One of my friends had a, a run-in with him over his baby mama. Hmm. Like a physical altercation and, uh, type run-in? Um, more of an intimidation type run-in. So, Killing's trying um, to intimidate him? Yeah. Did he stand in the box? Something like that. He, uh, basically, he, uh, so, like, okay, probably not a secret. Killing's baby mama, or at least one of them is a stripper. And, and this guy I knew chased strippers. And... Chased you know, strippers? Yeah, like felt they loved him and stuff like that. Okay, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm imagining a friend of yours running out the strippers. Okay. And so he. Uh, it's the stripper chase. He, she was, she, you know, he was trying to win her over with like being the sweet guy and stuff like that. And she was uh, banging Ron Killings at the time. And he went over to her house one day and Ron Killings answered the door. And oh, was okay. Like, uh, he was like, you what's know, up? <laughs> and, uh, well, apparently it wasn't that, you know, he answered the door, had a new port in his mouth, and, you know, was just like, uh, uh, she ain't coming out to talk to you. I'm not going to say her name. But she yeah. um, but said, you know, she's not coming out to talk to you. And he said, I want to hear that for myself. And he kind of buttoned up to Ron, and, but eventually left. And, you know, but Ron was basically of the opinion of, uh, well, if she's my girl, then she doesn't uh, talk to you. My girl doesn't talk to other women, other men. Ah. You know. So she knew what's up. Yeah. But apparently, you know, and I'm sure he was just as faithful to her. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's on the road and everything, of course. I'm sure he was just as, as loyal and faithful to her. I'm sure they had a loving, wonderful, trust-filled relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm still I'm still pissed at him for stealing my gimmick, so I don't know. It's whatever to me. Well, no you lost. know. No love lost for Mr. Killings. Well, you know. Although I will give him his due. He is in fantastic shape for, what is he, 58? Something like that. Doing out there, doing them splits. Bruh. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Now, I, you know, I remember, you know, he and uh, Vince had some disputes over, you know, his name and his music and everything because, you know, Vince wanted, him love. To, wanted to be K Crush and he's like, no, it's mine. Um, let's, let's be real. Do we, does anybody think that Ron Kings has ever sold an album? No, I, I do remember seeing him, like, after he left WWE, and he had gone to, um, he had gone to um, XPW. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing him uh, work in XPW, um, and uh I want to say it was him that used to do a kneeling muscle buster that was pretty cool. That sounds like it was really cool. Um, where, you know, you set the guy up for the muscle buster, but instead of dropping to your back, you dropped you drop to your, your knees. knees. 
And uh, he, it, was like a, and, it was like a release, like you drop to the knees and release. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but you you make the move hit and jolt, and then you right. drop them. You drop them. And and it was, and obviously, I mean, you know, he's not a big dude, so it's not like he's doing it on big guys himself. But yeah. you know, but uh, I mean, imagine if Samoa Joe was doing that. Yeah, that would look impressive. Yeah, but um, you know, of course, Joe isn't allowed to do it anymore, really. So, which is ridiculous. But they have been teasing that lately, so we might see one. Well, I mean, he he did break TJ's neck, so yeah, yeah, it was unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I mean, you know, I I don't know how much you've ever looked into TJ's neck break, but he broke his C one. No, dude, I can't watch that video. I've I've tried. I've seen him like, oh my god, no, I can't, I can't watch it. I can't yeah. watch it more than once. It was, bruh. he had, he had, uh, he has the same injury that Christopher Reeve had. He just yeah. was incredibly fortunate. Exactly. Yeah. Like, the fact that he's ambulatory is a miracle in itself. Yeah, and I mean, it's. I mean, the, it, it. I mean, obviously, he's not going to wrestle again, but. Yeah. He's, I mean, and, and nor should he, but I mean, that was, I've seen it and it doesn't even look like when it happened, like something happened, you know, mm-hmm. but when it happened, it was still, you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, and hearing TJ talk about it is just like, golly. Yeah, that was, that was frightening. We've got um, some, we've had some good theme songs here. Um, what promotion do you think has done the best when it comes to the use of theme music? Without question, it's WWE. Without question. Okay. I mean, I mean, they they had uh, Jim Johnson for years, and then CFOs and. I mean, they had people who that was their whole job, you know, right. um, was to, uh, you know, have music. And I mean, there were some good songs in WCW, um, yeah, but, but a very a handful. Jimmy Jimmy Hart was not. He's not Jim Johnson. J- Johnson, no. And there were, and then there was a lot of things in it that they used it in WCW that was just stock music from Turner. Right. That they could have, you know. Mm. Um, I mean, that awful Luger music that they used when he came back. Mm. Oh my God, that was, yeah, that's something that wasn't worth remembering. You know, I mean, um, although Luger's music before he left is some of my all-time favorite music. His music from like 89 to 92. Yeah. That's some of my all-time favorite music. You know what music I thought was underrated? It wasn't a great song, but I thought it felt the fit the character at the time was Benoit's WCW music. Yeah, um, and that's stock music, actually. Yeah, I know, like because it, it, it was just general music. But it was like, wow, there's like okay, I heard it other places too. Yeah, but it, but it, it fit him. It fit him really well. But, um, but they're they're known and they're mostly known for the NWO music and the Wolfpack music. Like that is yeah. their legacy. 
Well, NWO Wolfpack, um, uh, I always like the, uh, I mean, like most of the Slam Jam albums crap, but I always like the Rick Rude um, song from, from there. Uh, the Simply Ravishing song. Yes. That was, that was, I mean, that's the highlight of Slam Jam, you know, I mean, because most of it's pretty bad, you know. Uh, I mean, don't, don't step to Ron and, you know, he's a family man and <laughs> all those, <laughs> you know. You, you know. know. Mr. Bang Bang and Steinerized and. <laughs> you satirize was so, <laughs> that song was so stupid. Like you, you go from, <clears throat> especially when they were still wearing their, um, the, the couple of times they had their Michigan, um, I think they had like one, or, I think they had like one or two promos where they were still wearing their Michigan leather jackets, and like you're wearing the same stuff you had in WWF, and then you and you came out the University of Michigan theme song, came out the Hell of the Victors. And then all of a sudden you have this stare. <laughs> like, well, they had that before they went to WWF, though. Yeah, I know, but but like, but you but they come back out. You had a you, you have this great, this, this, the the most arguably the most iconic song in collegiate sports that people who don't even go to the school know the lyrics to. Like you have this wonderful music, and then you go back to this really cheesy screaming. And it was like, what? Matt, Matt's getting chewed out right now by his old lady. <laughs> so um, it was just, it was just like, I was like, wow, how can you go? How can that be what you're going back to? Like, you need to move forward, not go backwards. You kind of upgrade things, but. The Steiner's music just, it cracked me up every time I heard it. Like, I couldn't take them as serious as I wanted to because their music was so cheesy. I mean, if you think about it, like the Slam Jam album, I mean, easily the best song on there to me, without question, is, is Simply Ravishing. And then probably a man called Sting. Okay. And then after that is maybe The Natural. Which is an awful song, but terrible song. Still, still, it's maybe the third best. Um, and then, uh, and then what's you know, and then like after that, it's like it's all just a toss up because it's all so bad. He's smoking, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, Don't step to Ron Steinerize, Master the DDT, oh, Free Bird Forever. So bad, so so bad. I have to agree with you. WWF did a great job. And I would say they, they take the cake, obviously, because of longevity, but also original songs. Like, you know, like you mentioned, the stop using at WCW from Turner and ECW, while they had great use of music, you know, they either had to employ covers or they were using, <clears throat> you know, music that they, they didn't own. They were licensing out music. Right. And, and so to me, yeah, I mean, what's an, you know, naming one original ECW song, you know? You don't think you can. But while ECW did not have original music, I concur. They definitely were fantastic in using the music. Yeah, I think it, 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 it does. Um, I mean, part of my lore, like, I'm not a big rock fan, 
more than country, but not I'm a big rock fan. Most a lot, a good number of my favorite rock songs, I was introduced through by ECW, like like a uh, walk, you know, rock band dance music, fantastic fit him and this character. Um, I don't know the name of Sabu song, but that fit him. Um, you know. I don't know the name of the song. It's, but I don't, it's uh, Balls Mahoney song. You know, we've got big balls, balls, whatever the song is called. Obviously, big balls by ACDC. Yes, I knew it was ACDC. I forgot the name. Um, you know, that was obviously a fantastic fit for Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten. Um, what else? Uh, New Jack. You know, with Natural Born Killers. You know, that was that, I <laughs> fit his gimmick to a T. It did piss me off, though. As much as I love the song, the fact that every match he had played, you know, they kept on playing the music through the entire time. And I love the song. But when he's working, you know, a... a wait, 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 wait. Don't, no, okay. don't okay, I'm use... Sorry. Don't I'm use sorry. I'm sorry. I won't, I, I, I won't, I, I won't use, I won't use, you're right. I won't use the W word. Uh, when he's participating in a, and why it should ever go with song, an eight minute match, then they're continually playing Natural Born Kills on repeat. Like, I don't want to hear it on loop. You know, give me the first minute and a half. Fine. You know, I, I don't need, I don't need to hear it. Often, often, and then of course you do have the Enter Sandman for Sandman, which you know produced some of the best entrances you know we've uh, seen in wrestling. So great use of music, the lack of originality, you know, keeps it from you know being the the best. But I, I can't think of a company that used the music in such a way to enthrall the the audience as often as they did because in wwe you had a couple songs that got the the crowd you know involved in you know singing along you know recently you think of nakamura's uh old theme song but almost which people still try to sing along with yes because it's so dope mm-hmm. Um, I find myself singing along to it when you know, I'm using him in, in 2K. Like, come on, like it's it's dope. Uh, but ECW guys, you had multiple you know wrestlers where people were singing the songs as they're coming out to it. Um, it was it was a very engaging environment, probably because everyone's so close to hear those B32s. Well, I mean, you know, and two, you were using a lot of songs, though, that were already popular in pop culture. Yes. You know, I mean, it's hard to compare that when you're already using Inner Sandman, that was one of the biggest songs already in that decade. Right. And you're catering to that prime market. It wasn't like everyone who was in that arena didn't already own the Black Album. Even I owned it. Yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like it was a stretch. And it wasn't like they all didn't own Pantera CDs or anything. It was the same. It was a niche market. And it was catering to metal, hard rock, 
fans primarily. Primarily, yeah. yeah. There, there, were, there were the few people like me who suck it. And I'm like, I don't know this music except for this like one or two songs. <laughs> but you had, um, you know, so it, it certainly, you know, so I can't give it to EC. I, I mean, yeah, you can say, yeah, their usage was good. Um, and, and I like some of the other ones that people, uh, don't mention a lot, like, um, uh, Perfect Strangers by Deep Purple for Shane Douglas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, so I never knew the name of the song, but that was, that was uh, great. That, that's great. Um, before he left to go to WWF, he was using, uh, Simply the Best by Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. Uh, which which fit his arrogant. Oh yeah, it fit that character to a T. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love um, it. And uh, you know, so there were certainly some that really um, fit, and I'm sure they did use some stock music instrumentals for guys who weren't their main main guys. But yeah, if you had um, those kind of guys, you didn't, you know, but. You know, and WCW did have certain ones. I, I have a hard time looking back and mm-hmm. even remembering any music from TNA, um, oh, except for except for Jarrett's music, which was the worst music in the world. I don't remember Jarrett's music because I probably blocked it out. But TNA has... It was that siren sound. I still remember it. I thank God I don't. Um, it, just the, the TNA music, period... Just horrible, just just bad. I remember when I first when Van Dam got there and the music they picked for him. Oh, it was so bad. It's everybody's music. It was just bad. AJ Styles' music I didn't like. I didn't like anybody's music there. Like, um, I think Jay Lethal only got away because he was doing the Black and Cheese Monk gimmick, so they got to use Pomp and Circumstance. Like, everybody's theme songs just were just so bad like some of them especially if they were used to be in WWE or WWE it was like they tried to I remember make, some of Joe's and his fit him I don't even remember Joe's his was just like it was just like a dark it was like a boom boom yeah one yeah. of those yeah yeah it wasn't it wasn't distinctive enough for me to say hey that's but it was but it fit him though yeah um but but so many of the theme songs even from the Angles or Nashes or, um, or Van Damme, they seem to try to emulate what they used to have in other companies without obviously being a copy and just end up sounding just poor. It was, it was terrible. I, I, I you know, I, it's bad, bad, bad. The only entrance I think, <laughs> like music wise, I think I ever, I think I can remember and even enjoy was um, was the Hardys uh, at Bound for Glory when Rebby played the piano to to you know to to bring them out and she played uh, ah yes 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 uh, yes wonderful delete delete. Which reminds me, did you ever see the clip of where Jeff Jarrett botched that guitar shot and cracked Matt in the head and busted him open? Yes. I don't know how you botch a a working guitar, but... Especially when you've been doing it for 20 years. For 20 freaking years, I know. 
I'm like, what? Why? How? Like, he should be able to do that in his sleep. It's your freaking go-to. Yeah. And busting him bad. Really bad. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was bleeding profusely. That was ugly. A very ugly moment. Yeah, it was almost as ugly as watching a draft dirt match. <laughs> well, yeah, post his first WWF run, especially. Yeah, yeah, because he actually did this. This, you know, keep it real. He did have some good matches during that time. Well, yeah, I mean, his matches with Sean and Razor were good. Yes, I'll pretend he didn't have those matches with Bob Holly and. I, I try to forget every Bob Holly. I like Savio. Hey, no, no, knock Savio. Savio had a great feud with with Austin in the Caribbean strap match. It, it, it's just hard to take. It, to me, it was just always hard to take Savio seriously when he would come out and dance before the matches the way he did. Yeah, I, I have never, as much as I love dance, I've never been a fan of dance gimmicks because it automatically means that that person's like never going to be more than just a sideshow. Like, you know, if Vince has you dancing, you're not going to become anybody. Right. And it just looked so goofy to me. And it was just like, okay, and I'm supposed to buy this guy as, you know, as a contender. But, no, and I mean, hey, and, and don't get me wrong, when he was TNT, he was the man. Yeah. I, 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 you know, Fabio doesn't get enough respect. Like, he worked well with so many guys, but so many helped help push and elevate so many guys. I, I really enjoyed Fabio. <clears throat> Unfortunately, he couldn't do it for those by requests, but, you know, he did his best. Well, that's because Los Bariquas sucked. <clears throat> Unfortunately, the uh, the stable sucked. But well, I mean, you, you, you and had, the workers too. Yeah, well, you had one guy that was established in WWE, but no one had heard of from except for two, from two years prior. One guy who you'd only heard of if you were a hardcore fan, and two guys you'd never heard of uh-huh. unless you were actually in Puerto Rico. Right. And you were carrying their bags, you know, <laughs> I mean, so, and the one guy that you had actually heard of, if you were, uh, you know, a hardcore fan, looked like Chewbacca. Yes. So, he was so, so hairy. So hairy. Like, oh so, God. And, and sorry, but that's not going to get over in the U.S. Albert proved that. Especially when you got to cover that up. Like they, they were, you know, they're wearing the, you know, the undershirts, you know. Uh, for lack of a better term, the white beater style shirts all the time. And you've got all this hair hanging out of it, um, looking like, you know, the, you know, looking like a Bushmaster. It was terrible. Yeah, it was, uh, it was ridiculous. It, it looked really bad. And, uh, and they kept on using him too. Like, especially when they would tag, it would be, it would be him and Savio. I'm like, no, Savio. Well, they were the best dude. workers. So, yeah, but you got to put something, you to put something on him. Like, oh, so bad. But it was, um, it was bad. Yeah. And then we had, of course, you know, the Disciples of Apocalypse during that time, you know, the, the gang wars. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. 
Crush, not a great worker, but a big guy. And hey, what's up, man? Um, and you had a run in just now. I know. Um, I gave him a head nod. Yeah, and you. Uh, but he, but he had been over at one point in time, and people knew who he was. And he's a big, you know, big guy. He's a big dude. Yes. Brian Lee, another big guy, and Brian Lee could work. Yeah. And Brian Lee can move and can go for a big guy. Um, and then you had the Harris brothers. Right. Who were just big guys and couldn't even ride motorcycles. <laughs> they look so scared on those bikes. <laughs> and they, and, they, 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 you know, for two guys who looked so much like bikers, they were the least bikery guys ever for looking dead on for the part. Yeah. And so they, um, they just didn't, uh, you know, but there were a lot of things back then that were going on that just didn't, uh, didn't make sense. Um, you know, I think if you had had, um, not tried to give everybody like a four person faction, but, but, but everyone had to have a four person faction that. Every, it was, is everybody but DX? Everybody but DX is a four-person faction, pretty much. Or oh, I, yeah. I, oh, I think the Hard Foundation had five. Yeah, they had five. It, it didn't have to be that way. It didn't have to be. And unfortunately, you know, at half the time, Pilgrim was hurt, and then he passed. So it was like it was more like they had four anyway. Yeah, but it was, it was awful. I liked, as a, I mean, yeah, I mean, as a kid, I kind of liked the fact that there were so many factions because I've always been a, you know, a, a stable mark. Um, but there, yeah, they were they were popping up everywhere, and it was like it was starting to get very re- redundant because then you try to have storylines for all these factions, and how many realistic storylines can you do that differ from for this faction to this faction to this faction to that faction you know because you had the nation you had both periquas and you had the heart foundation and you had the disciples of apocalypse uh which of course periquas and doa were splintered off of the nation and you had you know dx had three well yeah three people i guess if you count china and they were four originally when they had recruits so for a while they were four too you know He's had two people who were mouthpieces, but yeah, they were they were just obsessed with this, you know, four man stable do, thing. Do you remember what Today X was originally calling themselves? Uh, I remember when they I remember when they started calling themselves DX. Um, I think before then. Now you know, when DX like started, I wasn't really able to watch much because we were moving from Pittsburgh over to the Lehigh Valley, so I missed a lot of, of wrestling during that time. Um, well, it was on the DX video if you watch it. Um, but they I haven't were, watched that video in a long time. But they, but they referred to themselves a couple times as the Triple Threat. Mm, I don't remember that. Which 
obviously it was an issue because of oh ECW right yeah but see that would I wouldn't see I wouldn't like that though because you know especially at the time like China wasn't anywhere near to performing in the ring and Rick Rude couldn't perform in the ring because he physically couldn't do it you know. So like, were they gonna try? Were they gonna mysteriously add another member and actually be a triple threat? Like, well, no, they were just referring to them in China, mm. but they held up their hands like this and said triple threat. Hmm. I'll have to look that up. I don't because I don't remember that. I did love the fact that she was a female bodyguard. That was super dope. Yeah, it was um it was definitely a um an interesting uh I, I didn't catch it when they first did it, but then when I went back and looked at it uh, at the DX video, then I saw mm-hmm. it and it's probably and it's on either Raw or one night in England or whatever they called that and it was Little Shotgun Saturday night. No, the 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 one night thing they did in England, where oh, where Sean beat Bulldog, where Sean beat Bulldog for the European title. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were calling themselves the Exited. No, no, I'm not no, saying no. it was definitely there, but there was, but there was a time where they definitely did that. Hmm. Let's look. Check that out. Surprise on you. You know that those are that's my crew. Those that was that's my that's my stable right there. Yeah. Yeah, I think even on the questionnaire I put out, you listed them as your favorite stable yeah, of all yeah, time. Yeah, they're my favorite stable by far. I yeah, yeah, well, yeah by far because NWO, I loved it, but that got so convoluted and had so many freaking members. Freaking rotunda as Wall Street. Like, what? NWO probably wouldn't even be in my top five stables. I think they would be in most people's top five stables, though. I'm just saying they wouldn't be in mine. Oh, I, I expect that. I mean, I know you're going to have the Horseman up there. Horseman, DX. Where, where do you put the shield? Mm. Yeah, I'm top fifty. <laughs> Can you name forty nine other stables? Because mm. <laughs> I don't think you can. G- give me time. I can name. <laughs> I-, I can name. I'll go back to Memphis if I have to. I'll, I'll throw the first family in there if I have to. Oh my god, the first family. <laughs> Paul Jones Army. You know. Where do you put the dangerous? They line? were heels. Oh. <laughs> Uh, Dangerous Alliance probably top, probably third. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. Okay. Word. Because I mean, think about the talent that's in the Dangerous Alliance. I mean, oh my, my god, gosh. amazing! Yeah. I mean, they had a short run, but my gosh, I mean, the talent that's in there is amazing. You know. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for bad booking, Bill Watts, um, <laughs> they would have been much huger. Oh yeah. Okay. Where do you put? Um, 
where you put the uh, ECW's triple threat? I was about to say I'd put them in the top four, and I'm and I mainly mean the original triple threat. Yeah, you're referring to uh, Malenko, Benoit, and Douglas. Yes. Okay. They were heels. They, they, they obviously they're the best version. I did enjoy Bam Bam um, and Candido version too, but the original version was definitely better. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen. Um, I always wanted to see Candido. Uh, team up with them and I wished when they were all in WCW if there had been a I would have my dream for revolution would have not been Perry Saturn but just seen Candido in that fourth spot okay they still wouldn't it still wouldn't have gone anywhere no but I would have liked those but could you imagine a team of Douglas Benoit Malenko and Candido I think that's what they were trying to do they just didn't do anything with that so they put them together well, they put Candido in as a single with Tammy and put him in the cruiserweight division. Right. What I meant with, like, with the revolution, I think they were going for that, you know, and, and I understand why putting Saturn with them because Saturn was a bigger name in ECW than Candido was. So, you know, put these guys that were with Shane already that were you know, already established and let's put another established guy and see if they can kind of, you know, maybe Shane can kind of recreate some of the magic he had in ECW with some of his old running mates, but it's, it's, hard, it's kind of hard to do that yeah, when you uh, when you throw in a stupid storyline with Tory Wilson and you don't give him a whole lot of TV time on top of that. But no, let's be fair. Uh, Shane wasn't the same once he got to WCW because I remember when they when he there was a promo and I, it might have been the first one. He comes out and he's like, you know. Uh, if you want the revolution, let me hear you. If you want the crippler, if you want the franchise, you you know, and, and it's like, and it was just like, you know, what happened? You know, this, this guy used to be one of the best talkers in wrestling. And honestly, I don't think he could talk well with, with a filter. I think that Shane had to be completely unfiltered to be the talker that he is. Having restrictions, I think, just limited him, and he went to being, you know, going well, for he wasn't for cheap. that good of a talker then. I, I agree. Yeah, because if 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 the only way you can get over as a talker is to curse, I, I, it's not just. I don't think it's just cursing more than. The con, what he was able to say, he was able to be, to touch on a lot of things that you just couldn't do in WCW, especially during that time when they were pushing and pushing for PG. If he was in WWF during that time, I think he could have been fine because he would have had a, a lot looser strength. Obviously not as loose as ECW where he could say whatever you want. But he would have had a lot more leeway compared to where where WCW was going. They were going the opposite direction. Uh, I think that hurt him a lot, uh, and his creativity. A lot of his creativity, honestly, and as a talker, getting limited. But a lot of the great talkers have been the same way, where they're just crass enough to be entertaining without having to go overboard. He didn't have that leeway. In ECW, you could just say whatever he felt like saying, and because he didn't have any filter at all. 
But you know, we look at if you look at Great Tony, you look at Hunter, you look at uh, you look at Rocky's promos, look at Austin's promos. They've always had just that enough amount of of leeway where they could touch on subjects that. Hey, don't don't leave Roman out of your great talkers. <laughs> uh, he's just you know suffering. Fuck <laughs> that shit. <laughs> you know, I I, I give I I'll, I'll give Joe this. Okay, he delivers the probably the most ridiculous line um, I've ever heard in wrestling. But at least he did the smart thing and looked directly at the hard camera and winked and broke the fourth wall. Because, you know, that's ex- I'm like, if you're going to make me say this stupid crap, there's no way I'm not letting the, the, everybody know that this is, I'm, I'm not saying this by choice. Especially because, like, that was hard to say. Yeah, it was hard to say. It was also stupid. Like, bruh, like... So bad, just so so terrible. And and Rollins's face when the Romans delivering that line, like, like what did you really just say that? Like, what do you what do you say? What do you say to Vince McMahon? You go back and he's sitting there in Gorilla. Is what's what Vince McMahon's reaction sitting there at Gorilla watching Roman Reigns saying suffer and suck attach? <laughs> Said suffering. They love it. Everybody loves Moody Tunes. Everybody loves it. Suffering Succotash. That's what Sylvester used to say. I loved watching Sylvester when I was a kid. Let's get Mighty Mouse up next. Where is my Mighty Mouse? You know, he had a Mighty Mouse in Ray Mysterio. He should be happy. Yeah, you know what's funny is, uh, so, um, you know, something I like to do uh, periodically, and I think something we can miss by being too smart is, is, is like we, we don't see what non-fans see. You know, so occasionally I like to watch wrestling with someone who's not really a fan. Okay. Perceptions, you know. That makes sense. So I watch Survivor Series with someone who wasn't a fan. Now, how did you do that anyway? Because it's hard to get non-fans to watch wrestling. I just did. And, uh, you, did you know, pay them? no, no, they were over and I turned on the TV and was like, this is what I'm watching, you know? Oh, so and, you, you trapped them. Right. And so, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm watching and, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, I'm sorry, wait, 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 wait Mysterio wait. is, is out. Did you make them watch this Survivor Series? Yes. Oh, that was painful. That was so, mean. So, 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 so Ray Mysterio is out, right? They didn't watch the whole Survivor Series, but Ray Mysterio. Okay. But watching Ray Mysterio, and they're like, "This guy looks like an idiot." Like, look at how he's dressed. <laughs> and I don't buy what he's doing in the ring. You know, like you know, like the only thing they bought was when Braun go pick up and go boom. You know? Right. That was it. You know, and it's just like, okay, because that's how I felt about Ray when he came to WCW, because before when I saw Ray, he was always wrestling at their luchadors. But then when he was wrestling grown men for Vince, yeah. Well, no, I'm talking about WCW when he came. He was, he was, he was wrestling. wrestling luchadors, yeah. But no, in WCW when he started wrestling like Benoit and Malenko and guys like that that looked like grown men. 
I had no problem with Benoit and Malenko. They weren't that much taller. Um, now, when he was wrestling Kevin Nash, yeah, that was, you know, that was ridiculous. Well, I mean, you say they're not much taller, but Benoit was 5'10". Malenko is about 5'8", 5'9". Yeah. Mysterio is about 5'3". Yeah, he's like 5'3", five, 5'4". Five, yeah. So it, they say 5'4 in WWF, but he was he was always listed as like 5'2", 5'3", before that. So yeah, he's like five, I'll three. say 5'3". Yeah. But he's – so you're talking about people who have him by five or six inches and have him by like 60 or 70 pounds – and, and not 60 or 70 pounds in, like, um, a difference between uh, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. Right. You know, it's, it's, it, 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 it's a good percentage of body weight. Mm. And it, 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 looked like, it looked like a grown man wrestling a child. And I never bought it. And so and, – and here I'm watching with someone who's not a fan. They're going – and they have the same perception. And, you know, I know you won't want to hear this, but I've got to say this, but had the exact same perception of Sasha that I had. Going, who is this girl and why does she keep messing up so much? Oh, Sasha? Yeah. You know, and, and going, you know, gosh, I mean, I know this stuff's not real, but this girl keeps messing up. Thank God they got her out when Sasha got pinned. You know, um, so yeah, I've never denied Sasha's made more than her fair share of mistakes. Uh, you know, so we had a conversation a few weeks ago, and you're you're trying to imply that those days were behind her. You know, well, every, everybody botches every once in a while. I I will say that her days of consistently botching all the time. Well, uh, well, well, she was pretty consistent the other night at, at Survivor right. Series. Survivor Series. No, Survivor Series. The whole show was a botch. Let's just call it as it is. Like Everybody botched everything on that show. The writers and everybody, Vince, everybody, the whole show was a botch. It was terrible. Uh, it's, it's painful to even think about it. I, I, know, I, I know what you're saying. Like, uh, it's tough. Like some, some guys were able to really good, get great matches out of him. Out of Ray, um, and make it look believable. You know, I give credit to Flair, uh, for, for, um, that match. He, he, uh, defended the title against Ray when, you know, maskless Ray when he was trying to go hip hop and, um, and him kind of hunching down when he was wrestling to make himself not look not as, uh, big compared to Ray. You know, old school, well, old school wrestling. Especially being yeah, a well, player I mean, to heel, and he's so much bigger. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, maskless Ray was one of the worst things ever. That was Bischoff may be a genius, but maskless Ray was not one of his better ideas. Maskless, everybody was pretty much a bad idea. Well, it wasn't bad for except Hoovy. for Hoovy. Yeah, I was saying, except for Hoovy. Hoovy was the lone but, exception. But I mean. Ray, I mean, you took his mask off, and now it's obviously he looks like a twelve-year-old. Yeah, you he know? had the baby's baby face, and and then he, 
you know, and then he was trying to be, you know, and then he, for a while he's like Conan's mini me. Right. And he tried to have him and, go thug, you know, it'd be like, he's and, like and, and which, which didn't work. And then you have him with the, the devil horns, which was to me so the dumbest comic ever. Oh my God. Um, and him and Tigress. And then they, and that was the beginning of the filthy animals. Uh, and which I try to forget pretty much everything that happened in WCW around that time. Um, you, mean you didn't love the, you mean the filthy animals aren't in your top five stables? I mean, look at all the talent, Hoovy, Eddie, Mysterio, and Kidman, all in the same stable. Wasn't Disco in there too? Yeah, and then they added freaking Disco. Don't remind me, I freaking hate Disco. I, I think I might actually put the shield ahead of them in stables there. <laughs> there you go. But come on, the, okay, granted, granted, the talent in the Filthy Animals was freaking on point, though. But the the talent, the, the talent when the talent wants to be, but the talent was not wanting to be at the time. Oh, well, Hoovy's, you know, hard to do things when he's pilled up. Um, Eddie was hurt often, and then he, then he bounced. And then that's when they added Disco. And, and Ray just didn't care at the time. Well, why would you? His girlfriend on camera was like five nine. But I mean, he, like he looked like an obvious. idiot. He was just. Care. It was just obvious that Ray didn't care. He was just like, "Okay, pay me." And, and then they had, then they had him and Hoovy doing that ridiculous thing of the tag team where he was sitting on his shoulders and you know doing those stupid comedy spots during the. Oh, it was so so dumb. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, but it, that was the genius of uh, Vince Russo. Yeah, you know, you know, bro, bro, I got an idea. I got an idea, bro. We take one of those these little luchador guys. They're so cute. These little luchador guys. We'll have the other one, bro, sit on his shoulders, bro. And then they're going to like spin around, bro, like you see in those old cartoons and stuff. And from like the 50s, bro, it'll be great. Trust me, bro. Trust me. Everyone will love it. They'll love it, bro. Yeah. Uh, anyone who, who still wants to argue and like when I hear people say, no, give them through so credit. He was he was a genius. He did a lot of good things. I'm like, yeah, go back and look at what he did with WCW. I'll give Vince Russo credit for having good ideas <laughs> and I will give him credit for one angle that was an actually great angle. Some things were good ideas. They didn't go through well. The Survivor Series that we did in the bonus episode, that was a great angle that he did. It actually told a story, and it wasn't a one-week, one-off, like most of his ideas were. Right, but how much of that did other people did other people have say in? How much of that was other people? I mean, other people, I'm sure, had say, but you know, after we did the episode, other people were talking about it. I think Pritchard talked about it, and you know, everyone pretty much agrees that he drove that ship. You know, he, that he put that together. It was his idea to have them fire Shane and put him as a referee that, that, that was, that was Russo's brainchild. So, I mean, I got to give him credit on that. Yeah. So, but again, I, I, 
think a lot of it, though, still was probably filtered through Vince and other people. Um, and there were other people who contributed ideas to it. You can't tell me that on a show of that skill, Pat Patterson didn't have any input on it. Um, that Vince didn't have any input on it. Oh, you know, I mean, everything Cornette goes through didn't Vince. Didn't have any input on it at the time. Uh, maybe not so much corny because of how much he and Vince Russo hate each other. But I mean, you know, Patterson had his hands in there. Um, you know, as far as finishes go, and obviously Vince has to put his stamp of approval on everything. Especially, so, in the, especially with the angles involving him, and really, um, you know, helped cement uh, Shane's on-screen character. So I think so. Uh, until we ever know the the like a hundred percent real story, and I doubt we ever will, of just how much was Vince, how much was Pat, how much was you know? Because mm-hmm. I mean, if you listen to. If you listen to Russo, he came up with everything. Yeah, but why would you listen to Russo? And, you know, uh, you know, I mean, according to Russo, he came up with the Montreal screw job, you know. I mean, and I, I think everyone, anyone with a brain knows that it probably didn't happen. Right. Hold, hold on one second. Matt, Matt's wife did run in, and now he's in trouble. The show will be ending any time now. Which is actually fine, because my butt's, like, really numb.
See, the show didn't end. Ha! I'm sorry to hear that your butt hurts. Are you having Dwight Howard problems? No, I didn't say it hurts. I said it's numb. Got numb bum. Oh, okay. At least you're not having Dwight Howard problems. That's No one wants those. No, I just meant, you know, after your wife was yelling at you, you'll probably have turned the show off in a few minutes. Oh, I heard you say that, but she wasn't yelling at me. You were discussing shelving units for my inventory. Is that what you kids are calling it nowadays? That's right, baby. Gotta put my Mark Henry sexual chocolate Just give it going down. Now that's speaking a, that, of that was that a was a great, great theme song. Theme song. Yeah. That was so good. That's not sexual, a, baby. They they giving it all, all to you. you. Oh, that was so good. It was like they found like a like a really bad Marvin Gaye uh, impersonist, but who a guy who could sing. Just didn't sound like Marvin. We wanted to sound like Marvin. The thing that it was, it was fantastic, fantastic theme song. Well, you I, also had you also had uh, Mark doing his best Barry White. Yes, I played that theme song because I bought that album, uh, WWF Music Volume Four, um, and I played that theme song for someone who was not a wrestling fan, and they thought it was a real R and B song. So, Jim Johnson killed that one. It was perfect. Did you ever go? Um, did you ever listen to the? Uh, I own it. The uh, the that song that Shivani uh, played on his podcast, or the Casu Kid played on his podcast, the Candy Liquor song. No, <laughs> what? Go and look at this guy named Marvin. Something this guy like wants to be. This guy wants to be Marvin Gaye so bad it's not even funny. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Let's let's. Well, okay, so there's some great theme songs. Now, some theme songs have had um, more remixes and different, you know, than completely different songs. And WW and the WWF. You have their hip hop phase. How do you feel about WWF aggression versus WCW mayhem? Uh, I, I was not a fan of either one of them. And and the thing is, is like I, I'm an old school hip hop fan. Like the Chronic is one of my favorite albums, period, of all time. I mean, just period. If you just like, hey, what's some of your favorite albums of all time? The Chronic's always going to be on there. Mm-hmm. So I like hip hop. But I thought those were bad, bad attempts at hip hop and trying to force wrestlers into the hip hop genre where it didn't fit, especially, was just bad. Okay, well, Mayhem was more of a compilation, but... I thought aggression was a lot. It was like, okay, I think I, I own aggression. I still have it. I think aggression is a lot better than people give it credit for. Some of the themes did not make sense, like like uh, DX with Run DMC that doesn't make sense. You know, I love Run DMC. Watching the video that the special music video they had for it too when they came out to watching Triple H in a limo with Rev Run just. 
you know, rapping over it made no sense. Um, understood why, but it just, it didn't fit. Um, but I thought a lot, like, Know Your Role with Method Man was fantastic. That was amazing. Um, and even though I'm not an Austin mark, Snoop Dogg and Dub C doing Austin's theme was also really dope. See, um, I didn't think that made sense because... It didn't make it, sense as far as who did it, but the song it did, itself it, was dope. It didn't make sense for the character because if you if you know anything about Austin, the person, Austin, the character, hip-hop wouldn't make sense for him. No, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, as the song itself was cool, but it didn't, like, it, it didn't fit the character at all. He's a redneck from Texas. There's nothing hip-hop about him in any way, shape, form, or fashion. It's just, it was, it was silly. Um, even, and the same thing with like Vince McMahon's song, No Chance with Redman was, as a song, it was dope, but Vince McMahon is as far from hip hop as well as like Austin. It's like, this is, this is a dude with no rhythm. There's no hood in Vince McMahon whatsoever. Um, like it just, it was whack, uh, as far as combining it to the character. This, but as a track, it was, it was dope. And a lot of these were well produced, and oh, uh, it just reminded me of of one of Vince's unfinest moments ever. What the the Vince Rooney? No, when Vince uh, used a certain word in front of Booker T. Oh, when he used the N word to John Cena, yeah. yeah. And, was, and Booker says, "Tell me, tell me, he didn't just say that." Yeah. Well, even though you know Booker's his own man, he can make his own decisions on what he's okay with and whatnot, but. And anyone that would be like, well, why would Booker say no? Because he said it to Hogan in WCW. Um, he won't know. He doesn't want to look like a hypocrite. You know, if you're going to do that, they need, you know, a heat seeker like that. You need to actually do something with it. And they never did anything with it. That, that's what really, you know, that pissed me off more than anything. You know, only need to say it, but if you're going to say it, you know, do something with it. You know, the heels got to pay for, you know, something egregious like that, but they, they, they did nothing with it. Right. You know, um, you know, other, other ones on here that didn't make sense. Uh, Triple H, of course, having his own one, you know, with, uh, by Mystic, two great rappers in Mystical and Raskas for his song that actually is probably the worst one on here. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry. Big Shows was worse. Big Shows theme also made no sense, but in the middle, um, from Know Your Role, um, uh, gang, uh, see murder doing gang growth. I won't stop. That was really dope. Like, and that, even though vampire themes aren't known for the hip hop world, that actually fit. And if it's a character that I wish gang grow, would have came out see, to it. See, I don't gr- agree because it doesn't fit the vampire character. See, and I think it fits I'm, the character. It just doesn't fit traditional vampire themes. But if you think but, I mean, Vampiro's Vampiro's original music fits the vampire character. It fits the vampire lore. It fits what the modern vampire is. I mean, if you look at what vampire movies were doing at the time, it was like corn and things like that. It wasn't hip hop. It was either gothic music, industrial music, metal. It it just didn't fit, not and it, especially at the time I was really into uh, vampires and things like that at the time, and, and to me it was just like 
I see. I dug it because the lyrics were dope. He's like, I won't stop till I see blood. I, it was. I I dug it. I I really liked it. Um, the East Siders do a big red machine was also dope. Um, see, that was another one where I'm like, it doesn't fit the character. You know, it described the character well. He didn't. I could never. See, I'm, I could never see Kane come out to it. Um, but it, like it described the character well. Um, Chris Jericho's song didn't fit him at all. Uh, no, because Jericho's a, a rock metal guy. Yeah, even before and this was this predates him. You know, making Fozzy a, a known thing and. Well, I mean, he was doing Fozzie in the 90s, so... No, I'm thinking it may, making it a known thing. Like, he wasn't pushing it, you know, at this time. Really. I mean, this was, this was 2000. Like, he wasn't he wasn't pushing uh, Fozzie hard at that point. Um, obviously, the, 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 the song that fits the most was Pimpin' Ain't Easy with Ice-T in for The Godfather. Um, that song clearly fit the character the most. But, you know, I've, I've, you know aggression really... I give Vince credit for going all out because, I mean, you've got hip-hop, you know, royalty on here. You you know, you've got Run DMC, you've got Meth Man, you've got Snoop Dogg, you've got Red Man. You know, you've got four guys who are, who will, you know, are known for in the hip-hop world. And big time names that will last lasted, you know, 20, 30 years, you know, especially when it comes to Run DMC, you know, you have a lot of talent that's under you, that's underappreciated and guys like Ari the Rugged Man, Rascass, Mac 10, um, and you got some great, you know, guys who also produce a lot of this stuff. And also he had ODB on this drone and on the, uh, the Mankind one. Like this is one of ODB's last, um, you know, songs before he died, you know, and you have him on, on this album. So a lot of talent on here, a lot of great production. And, you know, in, in, in Mankind, there's a character who screams at <laughs> Yeah. Um, it, it didn't, it, it did. This is one of the ones where at least even the lyrics don't make sense. Yeah, that's, I love ODB. <laughs> Play that old dirty bastard Vince. And and and, the, and his friend Cool Keith, have a nice day. Yeah, it was. It, it, didn't you know. the Dudleys have one too? No, no, the Dudleys didn't have an aggression song. You had DX, Mankind, Rock, Austin, Vince, Gangrel, Kane, Jericho, The Wage Outlaws, Godfather, Triple H, Big Show, and Taker. Yeah, no, no Dudleys. The Dudleys would have definitely had it been a would have had a better fit there. But, you know, some, re- wrestling... Who all had what with the things that came out during that time. But wrestling is, uh, you know, it's traditionally a white guy thing, you know, so you're not going to... It's tough to ingratiate hip-hop culture into, into wrestling. I give Vince credit for trying. Um... And he, he went all out in trying. You know, I, I give him that. He didn't go, you know, halfway with it like WCW. He's trying to kind of step their toes in it, you know, and and trying to roll with Master P. And then they actually they went they went all out. And a, you know, a lot of people like it. Like, um, 
it, I'm looking at it on my Google machine. It's got a three and a half star rating on Amazon. Like, you know, a lot of people like the album. To, to me, it's just like, I, I don't know. It's like it's saying like, uh, Vince made an effort, uh, and he, you know, he tries. I don't know. It's just like say to me. It's like saying, "Oh, it's not as racist as it could have been." <laughs> no, no, definitely not that at all. No, and I, if you, you know me, if it was that, I would I would have called him out on it. Um, I mean, let's face it. Vince could have been far bigger of a bigot if he wanted to be. <laughs> oh my, yeah, he definitely could if he really wanted to be. But no, that, I didn't get that, and I didn't get that feel from this album. Like this. Because if I would, if they would have gotten a whole bunch of nobody rappers, you know, to to be on here, then it definitely would have had a, a cheap feel. Like, hey, okay, he's just trying to appease black people um, a little bit by you know having this album, and it's gonna suck. Like he he tried to produce something that was top line, um, you know, and you know, I give him credit for that. And he, it wasn't. You know, it, it, it wasn't him using the N word to John Cena. Of course, he, you know, he went he went backwards with that, and of course, the whole John Cena, you know, Doctor Thugonomics gimmick, you know, that I have a problem with. Um, this was not something I have a problem with. Uh, speaking of things that were uh, awful, I was just reminded of uh, Nelly and Tim McGraw. Nelly so, did a song uh, with they, Tim McGraw. Yeah. All in my head. Yeah, it was Nelly. Somebody gave Nelly a song. He said, this sounds country. I need to get a country guy in this with me. And then he gave it to Tim McGraw. And Tim McGraw was like, this ain't country, but okay, I'll try it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. But, But yeah, Tim McGraw sings on it. Nelly raps. Tim McGraw and Nelly. I just can't. I'm just trying to picture it, and I I can't. Uh, wow. Okay, I mean, you know, hey, there's been some odd pairings um, in music, so okay, that's uh that's interesting to say the least. Uh, wow. Okay. What's next? Hank Williams the third gonna do a song with uh, with Fifty now or? Well, Hank Hank three's first of all, he's not Hank Williams third. He's Hank three, and he's a metal. Hank, guy, so. I'm sorry. Wait, Hank three's a metal guy. Yeah, he's uh, been for a while. I don't know these things. All I know is Hank three. I'm sorry. Well, I'm still he's still Hank Williams third to me. He had came to the Cracker Barrel I worked at and signed the little thing. He was all whole country boy in the end. So I don't know if he changed to metal or what. All I know is when I end up going. Going to the white school, all of a sudden, you know, one of the coaches car called me Hank because my last name was Williams. So I'm like, okay. Until someone schooled me on to the fact that he was calling me Hank because of a country singer named Hank Williams. I'm like, ah, I ain't never heard of no Hank Williams. I'm from Detroit. Do I look like I've heard someone called Hank Williams? I don't know nobody called Hank, period. Well, that will end our Call It in the Ring episode of Breaking Ring Rust. We hope you enjoyed our random repartee as much as we did. Maybe we'll be back next week. Who knows? Maybe even Ray will show up. Yeah, you know, I, I heard he's trying to milk it. You know, he's trying to go from one of those dramatic entrances. You know, I, maybe trying to come out on the zip line like HPK or something like that, but... You know. <laughs> 
I think he's getting a little too old for all that. Ray on the zip line? No. No. Well, if you're in the know, you can follow us at Jeek Nation on Facebook at Jeek Nation. You can follow us on Twitter at Jeek Nation and subscribe to Breaking Ring Rust on iTunes, Spotify, CastBox, and pretty much any of the lovely podcast players that are out there. And if there is one that you prefer to use that we're not on, comment, let us know, and we will endure until we are on it. Thank you, as always, for listening. And until next time, keep it easy, Marks. Pace. Uh, Thanks again. Johnny Ace? Yeah. Can you say goodbye to the people? Goodbye to the people. Where's Vince? wonder if he needs a back rub. There's a separate Twitter for black folks? No, this is what we call black people on Twitter. If we had our own Twitter, it would be a lot different. Kind of like Black Jeopardy? Exactly.